Good morning, everyone. I would uh, like to welcome you, uh, all of you, to the City Builders online service this morning. I would like to take the opportunity to wish you all the fathers uh, a very happy Father's Day. And I wanted to say that, uh, you know, one of the most important people in the lives of, uh, of our children are fathers. So uh, happy Father's Day to you. And that is the last thing you will hear from me this morning on Father's Day because I'm talking about a very important subject called our nation's birthright. And uh, if you could just bow your heads wherever you are this morning and we're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this year of 2020, this uh, year of incredible shaking throughout the nations. And uh, we thank you for the time that we are standing in right now, that this is a time that you knew about before the foundations of the earth. And Father, you are in control of the nations. Lord God, you're at work in the background. You're at work in the church. You're at work in the community. You're at work in our families. And Father, I thank you. We know that you did not send this uh, uh, situation that we have, but we do know that you are in the shake. And in the end, dear God, we know that you will have your way and that your kingdom will emerge. Father, we just give you thanks for your presence in every lounge room, in every heart this morning. We give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Saviour and the ruler over this nation. We must understand that nations are born of God and that God has a divine purpose of blessing for each nation. Uh, this morning I want to explain what I mean by our nation's birthright. Birthright from the dictionary, the definition is any privilege or right which is given to a, uh, to a person uh, that they are entitled to by birth. And uh, this is true of individuals and it's also true of nations uh, because when God referred to the nation of Israel, he, uh, there was a birthright for that nation and he called the nation of Israel his own son. And that is a precious thing to be known as the precious Son of God. This is what God has planned for us personally, but it is also what God has planned for us as a nation. That is our birthright. In introduction, nationhood is God's idea. And there is a very strong theme throughout the scriptures about uh, nations, about God's hand on the nations and what God is going to do in and through the nations. Uh, the first verse I would like to bring you to this morning is Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. And this comes as a result of God calling Abraham out, or he was Abram at that stage, because God not, had not yet established a covenant with him. He had not yet uh, revealed to him his future. He had not uh, uh, you know, he had not come into covenant with him at this stage. But he called Abram out of his homeland. And he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing. God said to him, I will bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know, this is the incredible nature, the incredible design that God has for a nation. And God is in the nations. And right through the scripture, we see the word nation and nations over and over again, right from Genesis and right through to the book of Revelation. Uh, while we are here on earth, the nations will exist because God said they will. By association and through the new covenant, we are beneficiaries of the same covenant that God had with Abraham. Because he said, I'm going to make you a nation, and I'm going to bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall blessed. By association and through the covenant, we are beneficiaries of the same covenant. Blessing, And in the scripture in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, it talks about this promise of blessing to the generations where God said, uh, for the promise is to you, to your children and to all generations and, who are all, and to all who are far off. In other words, wherever we are today, 
uh, in the nation or in the nations, we can be a conduit for blessing into that nation. Why? Because God has not forgotten the nations. Even those that are against the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and against our Lord Jesus Christ, God has not forgotten the nations. God's heart is to redeem the nations. And this is why God sent Jesus into the earth, to reach the nations and to redeem the nations back to God, to reconcile the nations. And now God has raised up the church. And the church has that same role that Jesus had to, uh, to uh, reach out and to reconcile and to redeem the nations. God determines the boundaries of nations. In Acts chapter 17 verse 26 it says, And he made from one man every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. That is Acts chapter 17, verse 26. This morning, I wanted to say this, that Australia is a great nation, a wonderful nation, a free nation, a free society that has been powerfully blessed by God. Australia is purposed by God, and this nation is born of God. In other words, this nation, and in particular this region of Australia, New Zealand and the Pacific Islands, is one that is chosen and picked out by God for a special purpose. From the very first sighting of these great southern lands, uh, by the Spanish explorer in 1606, his very first words, Pedro Fernandez de Curas was the first man to sight the great southern land, and he, he put his emblem in the ground somewhere up, possibly around the area of Vanuatu, and it is recorded in history as he prophesied over, uh, over this region and this nation. And his, his uh, declarations over these lands picked up the heart of God for this nation. You know, often I think of this, that when a child is born and a mother and father hold that child in their arms, they have great hopes for the future of that baby, for that child, that life. And they take great consideration normally as they choose the name for that child. And I believe names are very, very important. And as we go through the scripture, we will find that names have meanings and meanings that are given to a child at birth often have a lot to do with the prophetic future of that nation. And here de Kuros spoke and he called this land Terra Australis Espiritu del Sanctu, which means the great south land of the Holy Spirit. And this is our prophetic destiny. And this is what God wants. And this is why we are a church like this. And this is what God is doing in the nations. That in the name is the powerful, incredible destiny that God has for this region. So he picked up the heart of God and he spoke it out. And, uh, you know, in the 1920s, the uh, uh, world-renowned revivalist Smith Wigglesworth came and he into the nation and he picked up on that prophetic word and he spoke about the last days uh, in this same region that God would uh, begin to move in the nation and the nations and there would be a revival of the word and of the spirit and this would affect the whole region and the whole of the nations. This is a wonderful spiritual legacy that we have. I want you to know that God is doing something in our nation. I could understand if you were totally disheartened by what we see happening in our region. Uh, some of the things have been so disappointing. But I remember something, you know, uh, the first person to speak behind this pulpit after the opening was my very dear friend, Pastor Suckling Tamanabi uh, from Papua New Guinea, the former governor of the Oro province and an incredible revivalist from the nation of Papua New Guinea and he spoke here from this very pulpit and I remember the words that he said because I believe it was so important that he was here for that first week. 
He, by his own goodness, said, look, could I stay back for the week? I really have something to, he- to share to the church. And I really believe it was so wonderful because he said, in a world, something to these effect, that in a world where there is no hope, I want you to know that there is hope. And he spoke about how we had had a miracle result in our election where we, uh, we could have got a government that would have taken us far, far away from God, but God gave us a Christian prime minister. And this was the result of a prayer move that went through the nation that was initiated by one of our most champion ever Australians, the great Margaret Court, the greatest woman tennis player of all time, still the record holder, and also... At her age, which is well into her mid-70s, she is still every bit the champion, wonderful, gracious leader that she is. Uh, So this is it. Um, But since then, since uh, Pastor Suckling spoke here, um, something amazing has happened in Papua New Guinea. I was given the opportunity to travel to Papua New Guinea in November uh, with my uh, spiritual father, Dr. Jonathan David, and along with, uh, uh, along with um, Pastor Suckling and uh, many of the pastors and leaders up there, we had the wonderful opportunity of meeting an amazing Prime Minister of the nation, James Marape, the Honourable James Marape. Now, it is interesting because he came to hear Dr. Jonathan David, who is also a well-known prophet and, and a man who is really shaping the nations through the Word of God, uh, through the Pacific and other nations of the earth. And uh, uh, James Marape came along because he was very interested, and I'll tell you why. Dr. Jonathan David, on a previous, uh, a previous visit to Papua New Guinea, God gave him a vision of an earthquake in the highlands. And he, uh, he asked uh, some of the pastors there to take hold of, uh, to get him a map, and he asked God where the earthquake was going to be, and God showed him where the earthquake was going to be in that nation, and he pointed with his finger. Now, the prophetic word came true, exactly as God said, even though the, the uh, pastors and leaders said, no, no, the earthquakes don't happen in that part of the world. They happen down here. But Dr. Jonathan said, no, it happened here. Anyhow, what happened? You see, when God begins to shake something, God is doing something because the prophetic word came to fulfillment. But this was the hometown village of the now prime minister, James Marape. So when Dr. Jonathan stepped into the nation in, uh, in November uh, 2019, we had the wonderful privilege of being in a, a dinner that welcomed Dr. Jonathan David to the nation and uh, the Prime Minister spoke. So we actually got to meet him for a very brief moment. I think this is an amazing thing because God is moving in the Pacific region. I will tell you why God is moving in the region. It is because God has got a great plan for the region. And you know, the devil will throw out his best. He will do all these things. He'll do his smoke and uh, mirrors and his, uh, you know, and uh, he will create a, a dust storm because his time is limited and his kingdom is coming to an end. Because God is about ready to do something in the region and in the nations. And uh, you can watch this space over the next couple of years to see the incredible things that God is going to bring forth in our time. In the fullness of times and through the process of birthing, God will birth and form a new nation. You know, we could say that Australia has gone to the pack. And uh, New Zealand has gone to the pact. And if you look at the present management in some particular areas, you could be forgiven for thinking this cannot change. But this morning I want you to know that God is causing a new people to arise and he is causing a new day to dawn. And God is doing something. And our birthright is available to be received in this generation. I believe that the birthright of Australia and New Zealand and the Pacific Islands is one of, of uh, freedom and blessing. 
And uh, unfortunately, Australia, and particularly the state of Victoria and the leadership of New Zealand has fallen into a place of great arrogance. But God is going to deal with this arrogance. What Australia is going through right now, to a degree, is the birth pangs. For us, we must set our eyes not on what is happening. For the eyes, uh, for, for, you know, we can look at things through the natural or we can look at things through the spirit. And it's very hard not to get caught up because God doesn't want us to be detached from what is happening. God wants us to be, he put us here in the midst of the shaking. We are not immune from its impacts. But God wants you, God wants us, God wants his church to rise into the next level so that we can be the ones that usher in the new day. This is a new day. It's interesting that the first place that the sun rises on the earth is the other side of New Zealand. And you know, I believe that the move of God, the first move of God started in... uh, started there in in the upper room in Jerusalem, but the last move is beginning in this part of the region, and God is going to bless the nations through what he does in this great south land of the Holy Spirit. How do you feel about that? What do you believe about that? Well, it doesn't really matter because God's going to do what God's doing. This is what we need to know this morning. Birthrights are given by God, And if I could describe a little bit more about what a birthright is, it's not something physical that you inherit. It is not money or land, although that could be part of it, but it is the precious deposit of God that he puts on the inside of a man's heart. God brought Abram to a place that he showed him, but there he made covenant with him. He said, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be a blessing. And those that curse you are going to be cursed. Those that bless you are going to be blessed. I'm going to make you a great nation. But see, his name was Abraham. But over the process of time and through the dealings of God and Abraham's response to the God of heaven, the very nature of God, the very person of God came right into Abram's being. And his name was changed to Abraham. And this is the thing that we need to understand, that God makes a covenant with a man. And God can make a covenant with a church. God can make a covenant with anyone that he has called out and he's set apart. And God will fulfill that covenant with that individual. So birthrights are given by God. And this is a precious deposit of God. It is the prophetic call and it is a generational issue. We need to be beware because we can live with maximum benefits in one generation and because of our own slothfulness, they can be taken away also in one generation. This is the danger of our times. And the most amazing example of this happens in Genesis chapter 25, around uh, verse 24, if I can go there. Uh, Genesis chapter 25 verse 29 now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary and Esau said to Jacob please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary therefore his name was called Edom but Jacob said sell me your birthright as of this day and Esau said look I'm about to die So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Then thus Esau despised his birthright. You see, in this case, Esau was the firstborn. But right from the womb, there was an incredible contest going on between Esau and Jacob, who were in the womb together. And uh, it is a tragedy because Esau was the one who was called personally. He was the one who was the legal recipient of everything that God had given to his forefathers. 
but because of his own slothfulness and his, uh, you know, his uh, human passions, he said, what is this birthright to me? So we need to be aware because we can live with maximum benefits in one generation and be the full uh, beneficiary of the covenant that God has made with our forefathers and it can be lost in one generation. Esau sold his birthright for a pot of stew. Now let me put this in context this morning. Australians love their peaceful way of life. They don't want conflict. They like to win an argument. I'm sorry, I'm a bit like that. They love long weekends and they love their sport. And generally they are peace-loving, forgiving, gracious, generous people and could be referred to as the people of the long weekend. But this attitude has brought the contemporary Australian church to a fence-sitting position. This is not good. If you look at the book of Revelation, there is seven churches. There are seven churches in the book of Revelation. But in the book of Revelation chapter 3, you will read of the Laodicean church. And this is the one that Jesus himself referred to as the lukewarm church. And you know, lukewarm happens because you're neither hot, you're neither cold. But when you mix hot and cold together, you get comfortable and you get lukewarm. This is not what God wants. This is not what God requires. In fact, this is what God despises. Because God said, if you're, if you're lukewarm, Look, I don't like using these words because my message is probably confrontational enough. But this is the words of the, uh, Jesus written to the New Testament church in red writing in the book of Revelation that says, if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. When we refer this back to the life of Esau, the word says that Esau God despised. You know, God loves everyone equally, but our response to God is the determining factor. Because we hear we had two men, two babies in the womb, two lives, two potentials, but both with a very contrary response to God. This morning, we really need to be very important because we are born in a free society. This is our birthright. But we need to be careful that we give God what God requires during this time of shaking, adjustment, correction, reset, realignment, whatever you like to call it. God is allowing what is happening in the nations to awaken his church from its complacency. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 25, it says, while men slept... Someone came and sowed seed, sowed tares in the field. And this is what's been happening for the last 30 or 40 years in our nation. While men slept, and I'll tell you what the contemporary church in our nation, and we're all part of it, we've all been affected by it, this is what church is. We do our best to do the program on Sunday and go home and have our afternoon nap and then return to the workplace on Monday and think that our job is done. I want you to know the answer to this present situation cannot come from the who and the government. They are just as lost as the average bloke on the streets. If not, in some cases, they may, may even be willfully complicit. In many cases, the appalling government management of this crisis in our own nation has accentuated the problem. And this great South land of the Holy Spirit is under stress more than it has been during my lifetime. So I'm concerned. Perhaps the government's are causing and promoting panic, panic to keep control. This is what we call the politics of fear. This is beyond bad government 
and bad leadership and will be called out. I believe that God is going to deal with the Andrews government. In this state of Victoria, we do have blood on our hands. The authorization of the clinical execution of the unborn was authorized while Daniel Andrews was the health minister in 2008. Just some statistics. Most of the general public believe that late-term abortions are extremely rare. Many people assume that this is only occurs when a woman is seriously ill and their lives are threatened, or when the baby has no hope of survival. Neither is true. Every year, Victoria's, since Victoria's extreme abortion laws were introduced, a significant number of healthy babies have been aborted at a time when they are viable and could survive outside the womb. Babies who are born alive following failed abortions are not recognised as human beings under the current laws and are therefore denied medical treatment. A brave man by the name of Reverend Dr Mark Drury from the Melbourne Anglicans began shining a spotlight on this issue after a trainee nurse reported to him that she was ordered to stop a drop a living baby in a bucket of formaldehyde after a failed abortion. Dr Drury had contact with nurses and doctors who were reporting the atrocities and the trauma of late-term abortions. In 2010, there was a motion moved in the upper house to investigate the deaths of these babies. 50 babies who had, di who had died each year after birth since it was voted down. This is the state of the nation. This sin stands before God. The Andrews government is guilty of promoting a culture of death. But I also believe this morning that the total blame does not lay with the government because in this is a silent, complicit church. When this law was being charged, there was a friend of mine by the name of Pastor Daniel Nalaya who went to the Premier of Victoria then, John Brumby. I believe he asked Mr Brumby, what will it take to stop this horrendous barbaric legislation to go through? Mr Brumby said to Daniel Nalaya, it will take 10,000 people on the uh, steps of Parliament to overturn this law. And uh, I have spoken with Pastor Daniel and he has told me that he spoke to the big churches in Melbourne and made the news available to every uh, church in Melbourne and 750 turned up. And because of the com complicit, lukewarm response of the church, the bill went through. So this is very sad. And I would like to add that... Uh, and, and thank God for Pastor Nalaya, who is one of Australia's brave warriors of the faith, who stood up for the unborn and has been absolutely persecuted for his stand. He has been misquoted and misrepresented by the press. And uh, one church of a, a pastor of a large church misquoted him, causing great persecution to come against Pastor Nalaya. Pastor Daniel, uh, we are sorry that we have allowed this to happen to you. What we are going through as a nation is unfortunate. It is not God that has orchestrated this, but God has allowed it. I want you to know this morning there is deception in high places, and the demonic powers. The principalities and powers have strongholds of operation and it seems that Spring Street is one of them. The deception is in high places and uh, I believe that God's going to call this out. The ungodly alliances, the lies, the manipulation, the deceit, God is going to call it all out. When God starts to shake things, it's because he wants something. I want to say this this morning. There is a great promise of hope over this nation. And God help those who stand between 
God and that hope. I'm not against anyone. I'm not against any person. I'm not against any uh, government. But on the inside of me, there is a resistance that wants to stand up against this ungodliness, the control, the domination, the bullying, the manipulation, the ungodly, vile politics that seems to be filling our nation. God is shaking things. And it's okay to be shaken. But in the scripture it says, just be careful that you don't fall into the hands of a living God. God gives a time, uh, a time of grace for, uh, for church, for leaders, for a nation. But God's moving in this land. I want to say this morning, we love you. We care for you. Regardless of whoever you are, the premier, the leader of the opposition, there could be some change there too. All of us need to own this together. I don't want to be misquoted. You need to look at this whole message in its context. But right now in this nation, this nation is a multitude in the valley of decision. God wants his nation back. He wants us back. Listen, he wants you back. Wherever you are, right throughout the nation. You could be in a lounge room in Western Australia, or you could be at Ayers Rock. You could be in the Northern Territory, but God is speaking to you this morning and he wants you back. You know, if you can hear the cry of my heart, you know, God is not up there with a big stick. But I tell you what, the cry of the unborn is going up to God. He wants his church back. He wants his cities back. Do you know what? I said it before, the who has not got the answer. The governments of the day have not got the answer. Only one has the answer, and that is the living God who rules from his throne in heaven and rules from Zion. He wants his church back, and he wants his cities back. He wants the streets back. What will you do? It's really been a very uh, high-tension week in politics in Australia, hasn't it? And I've had a few well-meaning people, Christians, trying to tell me to calm down this week. Okay, I could take a little bit out of that lesson, but I also know myself. It's not likely going to happen, and I'll tell you why. During the week on Wednesday morning, it was at 3.02 I was awakened, and I had a dream. And there's obviously, you know, a heart cry on the inside of me. And I could hear what I thought was the heart cry of Christians. And uh, I heard people praying out of some kind of anguish. And I felt a call to come closer to that group. And I did. And uh, it was really interesting what happened. Because as I came clear, I could hear what people praying for. They were praying, open up the state, which in itself is a good prayer. But then it was because I want to go on my next holiday. I want to buy my next house. I want to go on my next cruise. And this is a misguided and soulish motivation on the inside of us. God wants you back. God wants his church back. He wants every one of us to come back. Through this dream, I believe God showed me very clearly why we are being shaken in the state of Victoria. Once again, I want to say this, the answer will come through the church. God said through his son, Jesus Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is building his church. It cannot be stopped. Wherever it is in the nations, God will allow shaking in the church. He will allow leaders to be shaken. But God, it is, through this crisis, is like confronting his leaders. And he is challenging the church to move off the fence and come to the place where it should be. Why? Because the agent of change, the agent of healing... The only agent where we can really know the heart of God is through churches and Christians and people that truly represent the God that they serve. God raised up Jacob 
in his day because Esau was not willing to fight for his birthright. He was not willing to fight for the incredible blessing that God had before him. He was not willing to fight for that which was unseen. You know, I want you to know this morning that there is something unseen ahead of us that is so wonderful that God has for us. Listen, the world is not going to end. Amen. God's just getting your attention. That's all. We've got, you know, years and years and possibly even generations to be obedient to God and to do what he asked us to do, which is to reach the nations, disciple the nations, and bring the kingdom of God into that world. You know, the church, wrong priorities and lack of courage has been an issue because we don't want to get our hands dirty. You know, it is a challenge. I've said this before, that he is the word, but we must become the voice. He is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. But now Jesus is in the heavenly, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he has poured his spirit out on the church so that we can become the church of the living God. And we can become his voice on the earth. As my spiritual father says that the word of God can become just as powerful on our lips as it is on his lips. But we must be prepared to consecrate ourselves and dedicate ourselves to the cause so that we can speak with a governmental authority that God wants to give his church. Here's the... Uh, you know, another little, uh, perhaps, what would you call it, a adjustment that we need to make this morning. When God cannot find a church who will be his voice, he will raise up someone else. Maybe even a donkey has done that before. Now, some of the, the people that have really, you know, inspired me this week and in the last couple of weeks which are largely laughed down by church-attending Christians, are Tim Smith, who spoke so powerfully in the Parliament over the last couple of days. Pauline Hanson. You know, she goes down. Someone said she's an idiot. She's a nut. Christians said that. Mark Latham. George Christensen. Craig Kelly, I don't know the man, but one man, a lone voice standing in the parliament who dares to tell the truth day after day after day, where our politicised, weak politicians, knowing the truth deep on the inside of the heart, hearing the evidence, refuse to stand up because it might create controversy in their life. Matthew Guy, thank you Matthew Guy for your speech. I give honour to people like Andrew Hastie and Eric Abetz, who were the great men in the parliament. And in a category all of his own is our own controversial figure in Melbourne, Sam Newman. Do you know what all this shows up? It shows to me the lack of conviction, the lack of courage of the church, and the lack of willingness to get their hands dirty or their reputation tainted. Do you know what? You cannot have reputation and the anointing. You cannot have reputation and the fullness of God's Spirit. Because when Jesus came, it said in Philippians chapter 2, he made himself of no reputation. Listen, blow your reputation early on in the peace, and then you'll be able to live for God for the rest of your life. We thank God for our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, and pray that God will give him courage and the conviction and the grace to push through the complicit career politicians that are around him. I would add that our locally elected representatives are blending in with the crowd, I am afraid. Those who would give, this is a, a statement from uh, Benjamin Franklin that says, and he said this, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. This comes back to the birthright of our nation, which is freedom and blessing. Yes. 
You know, if we are going to maintain a lifestyle of freedom and blessing and live under an open heaven, which is God's intention for us, then we have got work to do. As I said before, he is the word. We need to become the voice. John Farnham wrote a great song called The Voice. Not going to live in silence, not going to live in fear. Do you know what? That song had a prophetic ring about it. I want you to listen to this. This is Psalm chapter 2 this morning. It says this because there's something going on globally. It says, why do the nations rage? Are they raging? Why do the people plot vain things? Are our leaders doing that? Well, you'd like to think they wouldn't, but there is emerging evidence that all is not well. Can I read a tweet from Jeff Kennett today, tonight? Well, report in Tomorrow's Australian says deaths in nursing homes January to July this year are down 1,000 even with COVID-19. I said earlier I do not believe the number of deaths in Victoria because of COVID. Someone is fiddling the information we are receiving. It's time for the truth. Hey, this is appalling. This is an ungodly government. This is uh, verging on a rogue state. And God's got to do something about this. Why would people do this? Just this week, a leading health professional from Australia was interviewed by David Koch. And he said that under the age of 60, there is a less than one chance that a healthy Australian would die. Maybe even less than one in 2,000. This is incredible statistics. Yet the politics of fear that is pumped out over the TV set every day to gain control over you. I'm appalled. Now, let's come back to it. COVID is real. It is uh, life-threatening and very serious to people who are compromised in their health and who are aged. These are the facts. People that have comorbidity factors are highly at risk. But there's something going wrong in our nation. This is where in our day we need the spirit of truth. People are so afraid. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast, them, and cast away their cords from us. Hey, listen to this, though. This is the good news. He who sits in the heavens laughs. God's not bothered by this, and we can afford to be aggravated by it, but we shouldn't be overbothered. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath. Who is he going to speak to? Them. And distress them in his deep pleasure. Yet I have set my king over my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have forgotten, begotten you. You know, this is great because I mentioned, you know, if you're a son, you have a birthright. And we, his people, have a birthright. This nation has a birthright. It says in verse 8, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for the inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. This is good advice for our political leaders. Serve the Lord with fear. If you are not serving the Lord, I would ask you, who are you serving? We've all got to serve somebody. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are those who put their trust in him. What do we do this morning? Just a couple of thoughts as we begin to finish up. Number one, 
This is a time for deep reflection and repentance in our nation. Our, church, our churches and myself and all of us, we are all in this together. We must come back to God. We must show the fruits of repentance of standing on the sidelines and being silent and trying to publicise our churches while this great horror has been happening in the nation. This is a time for deep reflection and repentance. You know, when you are staying at home and you are not where you should be, this is when you get into trouble. Number two, this is a time for the realignment and the reprioritizing of our life. It's time to realign. It's time to reprioritize. It's time to come back. And if I could say it like this, Jesus has redeemed you with his own precious blood, but now he wants to own you. And that is a decision of our will. You know, while we are crying out for, you know, uh, our next holiday, God doesn't own us, but our holiday do does. You know, God wants to bless us. He wants us to have a balanced life. But God has far, far more than this. He has a birthright of blessing and freedom for you and for your children and for the generations that are coming after you. We must return to the place of prayer, to the upper room. The church was birthed in the upper room. You know, this is an incredible place. The upper room was in Jerusalem, but today our churches must become like the upper room. This is a place where we will find the heart of God for our nation. This is the place where we will wrestle with God, as Jacob did, for a new nation to be born. This is the place that we will find the commissioning of God. And this is the only place where we will encounter the spirit of the living God. And I wanted to say this this morning, that none of us are better than anyone else. We are all here together. We are all in this together. That is the reality. But we must all begin to come to God as a nation. Do you know that God calls his church a holy nation? You know, a royal priesthood. And everything, every change that begins to happen in the city, in the, in the parliament, in the nation, it actually begins in the church. It's where people begin to come to God and they, and they begin to get real with God. You know, it, it is amazing how we can be part of church, but we can be like that Laodicean church where we just let things go, uh, you know, under our, under our guard. We are his watchmen. You know, God has put us here in this nation and in this city. The church has got a very powerful responsibility, and it is not just to be a noise. The church of the living God is being raised up in this day to, uh, to live under the freedom and the blessing of God, but also to, to, uh, you know, to bring that freedom and blessing into our society. The best form of government, believe me, is the government of God, the kingdom of God. And you know, uh, Jesus came into the earth in a troubled time in history where people were bound and oppressed and tormented. But Jesus came into the earth as a powerful deliverer. You know, uh, the people of the day were looking for perhaps a great military man who could sort out the other blokes. But do you know what? They received the King of Glory. And he was the Son of God who came and very accurately demonstrated the kingdom of God. That is our Lord. That is King Jesus. I just really want to thank you for being with us and for joining us this morning. And I believe that God wants to extend his grace and his mercy to each one of us, to our parliamentarians and to those that are in government. But I also believe that God is going to bring a, continue to bring a shaking and a stirring in this nation. I believe the, the devil's game is up and it is all over. God is going to bring forth a new day in this land and it's a new day of his presence. It's a new day of harmony. It's a new day where we'll be set free from the intimidation 
of all the identity politics and all the nonsense and garbage that's been floating into our nation. Why? Because God is bringing us to a new day. He's bringing our church to a new day. He's bringing our city to a new day. He's bringing this region of the Pacific to a new day. And for you this morning, you may be listening for the very first time. Today could be the beginning of a new day for you, a new day of hope, a new day of faith and a new day of destiny. If you would like to really open your life up to uh, what I'm saying about this morning, then I'd like you to pray this prayer after me. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, he came to the door of the church, ironically, and he knocked on the door and he said in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll dine with him. I'll live in him. This is what God wants to do. Many of us who are listening this morning have already uh, given Jesus that invitation. But I tell you what, as you pray this prayer this morning, something very powerful could happen to you. Would you like to pray after me this prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer, asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is your Son and that he died on the cross of Calvary, that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask you right now to come into my life and to be my personal Lord and Saviour. I will turn from my sins and will follow you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that I am born again and cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning, or if you've been away from God for quite a while and you know that it is time to return, then uh, I would like you uh, to... Uh, find a church near you, or if there's not one near you, please feel free to make contact with us through our website and begin to make that journey home. Just let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I pray, Lord God, for your richest blessing on the ears of every hearer. Some of these things are confrontational, but you're a God of grace. And Father, I pray that you would release grace but Father, I pray that you would turn your church in this nation back to you. Father, we just want you so much. We know that your kingdom is the only answer for this great nation. Father, we give you praise this morning in Jesus' name. And once again, happy Father's Day.